enjoyed a slight puzzlement when he couldn't spot my image in the glass. Another man walked in from the night and hesitantly approached the bar. He was also too well-dressed, but was a bit more seedy and timid. He had a tall, thin body with a beaky nose that supported some black-rimmed pince-nez on a pastel blue velvet ribbon. He wore a cheap blue suit, the cuffs a little too short and the pants a little too tight. His ankles stuck out, revealing black silk socks peeking over the tops of black shoes with toes that had been chiseled to a lethal point. He affected a black cane with a silver handle, which would buy him eternity in this neighborhood if he waved it around too much. He tried ordering a sherry and got a look of contemptuous disbelief instead. He had better luck asking for gin, then made a point of wiping the rim of the glass clean with his printed silk handkerchief before drinking. After taking a sip, he dabbed his lips and smoothed the pencil line under his nose that passed for a mustache. He looked around, as nervous as a virgin in a frat house. He noted me and the man in the back booth, and when neither of us leaped out to cut his throat, he relaxed a little. He checked the clock behind the bar, comparing its time to a silver watch attached to his vest, and frowned. The bartender moved away, no doubt driven off by the scent of dying lilies that the newcomer had doused over himself. A cloud of it hit me in the face like exhaust from a truck, and I gave up breathing for a while. He looked at the watch again and then at the door. No one came in. He removed his hat, placing it gently on the bar as though it might offend someone. From a low widow's peak to the curl-clustered nape, his dark hair had been carefully dressed with a series of waves that were too regular to be natural. He removed his gloves, plucking delicately at the fingertips, then absently patted his hair down. The bartender caught the eyes of the man in the booth and shrugged with raised brows and a superior smile, as though to say he couldn't help who walked through the door as long as they paid. The man in the booth hunched closer to his beer and watched the mirror. Two minutes later, a lady walked in, probably the first one to ever cross the threshold. She was small, not much over five feet, wearing emerald green with a matching hat and a heavy dark veil that covered her face down to her hard red lips. She carried a big green bag trimmed with beads that twinkled in the light. Her green heels made quite a noise as she crossed the wood floor to the tall man at the bar. He straightened a little, because polite men do things like that when a lady comes up to them and he did look polite. She glanced around warily, her gaze resting on me a moment. She must have been pretty enough to be noticed even by a drunk like me. At least she had a trim figure and good legs. I gave her an encouraging, if bleary, leer and raised my glass, hopefully. After that she ignored me and tilted her chin expectantly at the tall man. He frowned, worried, but gathered up his hat, cane, gloves, and drink, and followed her to the second-to-last booth at the end. She sat with her back to me, and the man slid in opposite her with his back to the big man in gray, who was now pressed tight against the wall. She seemed not to have noticed him. The gin placed his cane across the table, the curved handle hanging over the outside edge. His hat went next to it, and the gloves were tucked into a pocket. I could tell he was nervous again from the way he fussed with things. He quietly asked the woman if she cared to have a drink. She shook her head. He repeated the gesture to the bartender, who then moved down to my end and picked up another glass to polish. 
He was watching me, but I was in a slack-jawed dream, staring into space, at least at the space occupied by the mirror behind him. The man in gray leaned to the outside and craned his neck. He could see the bartender and was now worried that he couldn't see me as well, but it was too late to investigate the problem without calling attention to himself. The woman stared at her companion, her breath gently ruffling the veil. Her voice was pitched low, but even at that distance I had no trouble hearing the conversation. "'Do you have it?' The man cocked his head to one side, favoring her with the stronger lens of the pass nay. "'I might ask you the same question.' His voice was flat and breathy, as though he were afraid to let the words out. She didn't like him or his answer, but eventually lifted the purse from her lap to the table. With her left hand, she pulled out a slim leather case and opened it for his inspection.